Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Church language. Churchy language. Tends to confuse people. People who've grown up in the church, and I don't necessarily mean people who have a relationship with Jesus. I mean people who grew up in the church. Because those two things can be totally separate from each other. Just because people are in a church doesn't, you know, make them a believer in Jesus or a follower of Jesus. Unfortunately, there's probably a lot of people who are in church who have that thought, and that's going to be a shocker when they go to meet him. But here's the here's the thing. We use a lot of church language, uh, covered by the blood, uh, washed in the blood of the lamb. We use uh, the name of the lamb. We use a lot of m- metaphors, metaphors, which is kind of trying to use a example of one thing to explain something else. So, if we said, wow, it's raining cats and dogs, and that's a fairly fairly common American thing they used to say. I don't know how much they say it anymore. But nobody ran outside and looked around for cats and dogs to fall out of the sky. They're just trying to say it's raining very hard. It's really important, especially if you're a believer, to catch on to some of these metaphors that we use a lot in church language. And there are metaphors in the Bible. That's where we get them from. The only problem is, is they, these metaphors come into our regular uh, how we talk to each other. And then when we talk to people who have no background in the church, they have no idea what we're talking about. Because they're like, what do you mean washed in the blood? Whoa, that sounds nasty. Uh, you know. So, let's look at that the term, this term. Lost. Lost. People who don't have a relationship with Jesus are termed lost. Now, oddly enough, even cults would say uh, that people who are not part of the cult are lost. Well, well, they're lost. So, lost brings kind of this thought in the process. You're thinking, uh, lost sounds like, you know, the movie, the, the miniseries that was on TV. Uh, you know, people were crash-landed and on a deserted island and they're lost. Or somebody's lost in the woods, wandering around. They don't know where they're at. They're lost in the city. They are looking at signs. Nothing looks familiar. People won't talk to them. Lost. Um, That tends to be a real confusing metaphor sometimes. It's very descriptive, but also very 
confusing at times. Uh, I never will forget the time I saw a bumper sticker. It said, um, Jesus is the answer. What was the question? And uh, and that's very profound because it's in a way that's kind of true. Lost and found. Lost and found. Let's look at an example. And this example a lot of people are familiar with. This is in the New Testament. Uh, I'm looking at the one in the book of Luke. where, uh, And this is in Luke chapter 19 where Zacchaeus, he goes to the house of Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus, of course there was a little song, if you went to church long enough you learned this song, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he and da 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 da. But here's the thing, uh, short of stature, couldn't see over the crowd, climbed a tree, he was a tax collector. He was not just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. So he was like a manager in the IRS. Which, to be honest, you know, when people, you know, if somebody came up and shook your hand and said, Hey, I'm a tax collector. Not only that, I am a tax collector on steroids. I'm a manager of tax collectors. <laughs> well, wow. Uh, then always endear warm, fuzzy feelings. So, same thing happened to Zacchaeus. But he had heard about Jesus, evidently, and... and uh, and Jesus took note of him. Because he was in a tree, trying to see over the crowd to see Jesus. So that's the first thing. Is he was really knew something about Jesus. Had heard maybe the reputation, and was interested enough to climb a tree. I don't know if it's a sycamore tree or not. That's what the little song says. But but here's the thing. He climbed a tree and Jesus saw him up there and said, Hey, you need to come down because I'm coming to your house. In fact, uh, in Luke 19.5, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. And uh, verse 6 says, So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Wow, okay, so let's look at verses 19, or excuse me, uh, Luke 19, 9 and 10. Because uh, Jesus says to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And there's that term. Well, what did uh, Zacchaeus, you know, I mean, obviously he was in his house. He knew where his house was. He knew where his city was. And he knew where Jesus was. And he knew where the tree was. So how was he lost? He didn't. He wasn't wandering around, right? Jesus didn't grab him and say, Oh, wait, 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 wait. No. Um, here, I think, is where verse nine, uh, uh, chapter 19, verse 8 kind of clarifies. It says, And Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, 
the half of my goods I, I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restored it fourfold. That, ladies and gentlemen, is repentance. That's what that is. Now, Jesus got a little uh, bad press because they were saying, oh, he went into the house of a sinner. Because back then, uh, tax collectors, there was a tax they got from Rome. And then anything they wanted to add to it, they could. And you couldn't say no. So, like, say your taxes was 100 bucks, all right? And all of a sudden, you get a bill for 400 bucks. Well, you couldn't say, well, I ain't paying that. I only owe you $100. No. You paid the 400 bucks. Why is that? Because a tax collector collected stuff for Rome. And Rome let them do that. Let them fleece people. And if you didn't pay the taxes, guess what? Tax collector would call over to the Roman garrison and say, Hey, Centurion, this guy won't pay his taxes. And so then he gets his little troops out and they come and they rough everybody in the, in the house up and maybe even throw you in jail and kill you. So in that situation, taxes became really, really expedient. That's why they hated the guts out of these tax collectors because they did that a lot. So when Zacchaeus is saying, look, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restored it fourfold. And then, by the way, they kept really good records. Um, then, uh, yeah, he probably did. A lot of people. Matthew, by the way, was a tax collector. The Apostle Matthew of the Gospel of Matthew. Yes, yes. But let's look at this word lost. In the Greek, this word lost is apalumai or apalume. Depends on how you're looking at it. Apalumai. In the King James Version, which is helpful sometimes to kind of compare because there's a lot of info, uh, centuries of research with these. It's used to describe the word perish, destroy, lose, lost, destroyed, perished, die, loseth, marred. <laughs> All of these very negative things, right? So, in addition, uh, Thayer has it as to destroy. One option is to put away entirely, abolish, or to put an end to ruin. Also, render useless, to kill, to declare that one must be put to death. So, as you can see, this is not a verb that really describes a wandering kind of lost. This is a lost in, pretty much lost in that it's set up for destruction. That's what this kind of lost is. Now, why is it set up for destruction? Because if we do our own thing, we choose our own way, it leads to destruction. Now, why is that? Is that because we woke up and said, hey, you know, I just want to ruin some people's lives today. No, 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 no. It's, it's not that. It's not that. It's The complication is, is this world is focused on ruin. Uh, if you ever noticed, uh, you don't have to make things deteriorate. 
You have to keep stuff new. You have to maintain stuff to keep stuff running, to keep it as new as possible. You don't have to try to make something go bad. It goes bad. That's the world. So this idea of lost is pretty much that, is in its natural state, left alone, it goes to ruin. A fruit, even a beautiful fruit, even a gorgeous, wonderful, nutritious, spectacular fruit, if you leave it alone, what does it do? It doesn't get newer. No, it deteriorates. That's what happens to people in their lives without the preserving power of God. He is the power that preserves. He is the power that preserves. That's why Jesus says in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man, and by the way, the Son of Man is a messianic title, and I believe this came from Ezekiel, the Baranash, I believe, is the actual Hebrew title, but the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, not just save them, he's seeking for them. Why? Why do you say, well, Jesus is seeking for people. What did he do with Zacchaeus? He saw this crazy dead in the tree. So, he was seeking lost people. Not just the rich and famous. Rich and famous, yes, but not just the rich and famous. Everybody. One teacher described the Spirit of God as being like water. And here's a metaphor again. Because water seeks the lowest point. It runs down into the lowest point. Not that it's not in the higher points, but you understand it spreads itself and goes down and seeks out the lowest point. I love that metaphor. That's what the meta is for. So, when you hear the churchy words, like lost and found and saved and lost, just remember that uh, there is a biblical thing, a biblical connection. Sometimes if you take the phrase and you put it back in the Bible and you look up how it's used in the Bible, then it makes more sense. And there are a lot of people that throw these around, these churchy words and churchy languages, you know, and they don't know what they mean. Not all of them, I'm just saying. There's some people that do that. And, you know, you ask, well, what does that mean? Well, you know. So, don't get put out with churchy language. Sometimes, uh, and hey, I'm a preacher, and preachers get guilty of this use these churchy words to make themselves sound good when they pontificate from the pulpit. And uh, and by the way, that just makes me crazy when people pontificate. But anyway. So I want to encourage you, don't let churchy language get you down. Just take it and or get confused, just take whatever phrase 
somebody's using, put it back in the Bible. Check it out. Look it up. And you're going to find out some pretty fascinating stuff about that. And next time somebody starts throwing that term around, you can say, hey, I know what that means. Do you know what that means? Maybe you might have an opportunity to educate somebody. That'd be cool. Not in a mean spirit, but just say, hey, that's a pretty interesting phrase. So, with that in mind, keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.